You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. Welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a while since the last update. As you can imagine, with quarantine and with Ramadan, the break that I intended to take has turned into quite an extended break. Uh, but inshallah, that's going to change as I'm now planning to get back to regularly posting episodes. Today's episode is actually a, rec- a recording of a webinar I did for Faith Austin uh, for for their professionals group talking about work from home tips. Just as a quick background, I worked from home full time for about eight years and I still work from home uh, part of the time. But I share essentially my experience and tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way. And we also in the end get into like some general career advice and tips and things of that sort. So hope you'll stay and check it out. Uh, as far as future episodes that are coming up, I've got an interview with Muhammad Faris from Productive Muslim. We'll be doing a follow-up to our last conversation on faith-based professional development and diving deeper into Baraka culture. That episode, inshallah, should be up next week. Aside from that, I've got a few episode ideas that I'm working on. Most of them are longer form type of podcasts. So if you listen to the episode previously on abundance and scarcity mindset, think of an episode of that nature. I've got a couple of ideas that I'm throwing around, but the the catch is obviously that those types of episodes take me quite a while to prepare. So I'm working on those inshallah and hope to start having some up soon. Of course, if you have any ideas for an episode that you'd like me to do, please reach out and send that suggestion out. Um, you know, I love hearing your feedback and I love taking the ideas that you have and trying to share something that might be useful. And last thing before we jump into it, I just want to say jazakallah here to everyone that uh, subscribes to the podcast or listens or shares the episode episodes, uh, a mini milestone, The this particular podcast cost 10,000 downloads, which in the grand scheme of things is really not a lot, but it was a small little milestone that I was hoping to catch uh, up to relatively early in the podcast. Uh, inshallah, from here on out, we'll be a little bit more regular, have some more episodes. And of course, um, I really appreciate you sharing and sending the podcast out to your friends uh, so that people can listen. And with that, we will dive right into this episode on work from home tips. For the intro and also the invite to present on this topic. As you mentioned, working from home is something that I think, well, now it's a norm, but it's something that's been happening for a while. And just a little bit of background. So I have been work, I've worked essentially in all different types of environments. So I've done hospital setting where I did early morning shift, afternoon shift, evening shift. I worked a uh, graveyard shift like 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. for seven days and then you're off for seven days and you work seven days again. Did the typical nine to five in the office, done consulting where I'm on a plane every Monday morning and back home on Thursday night. And then I worked from home full time for about seven or eight years before taking my current role. In my current role, I'm about 60-40. So I'm in the office about three days a week and home about two days a week, just, you know, give or take. I like to say I've been working from home before it was cool. Interesting thing is back in 2007, I believe. So I was living in Atlanta at the time and we had just had our first child. And I remember speaking to my dad. My dad said, you know, find a way to move back to Dallas because uh, we want to be near the grandkids. And I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. And so 
interviewed for a couple of roles in Dallas. They didn't work out. And then at the time, we had an interim senior manager. We had lost our manager, so we were reporting to a VP. And I got another job offer from a company in Atlanta, and I leveraged that. And I took it to him, and I said, hey, I got an offer from another company. They're offering me more money and a better role, but I'll stay here if I can work from home. And at that time, that wasn't really a thing. Everyone was expected to come into the office every day. We occasionally were allowed to work one day from home every like four months, you know, if you were sick or something really extenuating. And, you know, I had leverage at that time. And so he just kind of looked at me and he goes, wait, so if I let you work from home, you're going to stay and not negotiate salary. And I go, yeah. He's like, all right, done. Move back, do whatever you want. And I was like, okay, cool. And so then I started working from home and. You know, it's, it's got its challenges. It's got, um, it's a completely different setup. And I would say one of the things that really did catch me off guard a little bit was just the perception that other people have. And so when I would tell people that I work from home, it really sparked a lot of different types of reactions. And so some people would, they'd be like, Oh, it must be really nice. Oh, you don't have a real job. What do you do all day? And so they would take it to be as if you're just getting paid to sit around and do nothing or, you know, watch TV all day or something like that, not really understanding uh, what was happening. And then on the flip side, you have the perception at work. And so when I started out being the only person on the team that was remote, I did have to double up on my effort because everyone was watching to see is this guy working as hard as we are? Is he still available? Is he still answering things? Or is he goofing off at work? And so there is some reputation management from that perspective. And so, you know, from from a work point of view, working from home does, you know, it depends a lot on your company culture as well, just how things are perceived or how you're treated. I know, for example, even with this uh, COVID-19 crisis, one of the companies in my area actually did not allow its employees to work remotely. And one of their senior executives said that he just didn't trust people to, to work from home and be productive. And so that's a very, you know, different type of mentality. And, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about this at the end, but working from home does let you, it magnifies a little bit what type of company culture you have. So there, are, you know, there are these other factors with working from home. I know our focus is more on how to be productive at home. But these are a couple of things to keep in mind that the dynamics, the relationships, all of these things change and they are impacted when you're no longer seeing people face to face in the office. And so what I wanted, what I wanted to do for today and, you know, the chat is open. So if you have questions just as we're talking, feel free to put it and we don't have to wait till the end. Um, especially we don't really have like a whole lot of people. So feel free to populate stuff in the chat. I'll keep an eye on that while we're talking. But there was there's three things that I really wanted to focus on in terms of how to make working from home more productive. So the first is going to be routines. The second is going to be your physical space. And the third is going to be cognitive space. So I think, you know, when I look at all the things that go into working from home, for me, those are the three buckets that seem to catch all the things that we're looking at. So first, let's talk about routines. And this for me really is the most important. It's almost hand in hand with your physical workspace. But your routine is essential because if you're not disciplined about your routine, you'll fall into a bad one. And if you fall into a bad one, you're really going to be hurting yourself when it comes to work. And so think about your routine on a normal day if you're going into the office. Chances are you wake up at a certain time. Let's say you pray, you shower, you get dressed, you make yourself breakfast, you stop off at the coffee shop, you get to work. Even when you get to work. 
you're going, you're parking maybe in like the same spot every day or the same area. You walk into your office, you get there, you sit down at your desk, you you have a routine to unpack. So you unpack your bag, maybe you take out your snacks, you put your lunch in the fridge, you check your email, you walk downstairs, you get a snack to eat, you talk to some coworkers, you come back and then you sit down and now you're mentally in the zone, like you've kind of done all those things that you normally do. And then you start working. The trap of working from home is that the alarm goes off and you're like, I don't have to really be at work till 845. So at 840, you force yourself out of bed, roll out and turn on your laptop. And that is very destructive when it comes to, you know, all the the major things that people are worried about, whether it's your mental focus or your productivity or any of those types of things. It really all starts there with just the frame of mind that you're in. So having a a routine that signals to yourself that I am in work mode is vital. And so even when I work from home, I have the same routine every morning in the sense that I will get up, I will take a shower, and I will get dressed as if I'm going to work. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm putting on like khakis and a polo or like business casual dress. It Because of the situation that we're in, it might be that I'm switching from my nighttime pajamas to my daytime pajamas, essentially, right? That might be the the clothing change that you make when you're stuck at home full time. But either way, you you need to just symbolically have that routine of I've woken up, I've gotten ready, and I've gotten myself prepared to go to work. Uh, if you need to eat breakfast, make yourself coffee, whatever it is that you need to do, go ahead and do all of those things. And then the the next part to me is also very important, which is clock in at the same time every day. Now, a lot of us, especially if you're if you're working from home, chances are you're in a technology role or in some type of role where you're not physically tied to a certain time. You're just doing your own tasks or your own projects. But it's still important for the sake of that routine to know what time I start working. And so if I have other things that I need to do in the morning, right? So for example, let's say something simple. You need to unload the dishwasher in the morning so that everything's ready in the kitchen for the day. Well, do that before it's time for you to officially start working. Now that work time might differ. It might be 7 a.m., it might be 8 a.m., it might be 9 a.m., whatever it is, but try to fix that time that you get started uh, regularly. And then that way you signal to yourself like, okay, now I'm working. And then as you're working, you wanna mimic your work routines as much as you can. And so I make sure to kick off every morning in the same way. And that just helps me be in the habit of, okay, now I'm in work mode. So for me, it's being very strict that when I come and sit down at my desk and it's time to work, I don't allow myself to go check my Gmail or check social media or text messages or WhatsApp or any of that stuff. It's I open my computer and I take at least five minutes to review if there is uh, an open to-do list, or if I always check my calendar first, see what meetings I have so I can at least mentally block out, for example, hey, I've got a ton of meetings between 9 and 12, and then I've got like a three-hour break, or I've got this major project I need to take care of. The other thing that I do in this, just a little productivity hack or tip, whatever you want to call it, but this is what allows me to keep myself organized uh, and stay strict to those routines, is within my email, I've got four folders in my inbox. So I don't actually have an inbox. Everything routes automatically to one of four folders. One is today, one is this week, one is next week, and one is pending follow-up. And so I manage 
all of my incoming emails in that way. And so, you know, when I wake up and when I sit down at my computer first thing in the morning, I check my calendar and then I look at my inbox and I immediately organize all my emails. So whether I have five emails or I have 70 emails, it, that task takes me two minutes. Is this something I need to look at today? Is it something I need to look at next week? Is it something for later this week? Or is it something that I'm waiting on somebody else to do some type of an action on? And that very quickly, in less than five minutes, signals to me, at least from a high level, what are the things that I've got to get done that day? And that, again, it lets me know how busy that day is going to be or how slow that day is going to be, how much leeway I have, how much I really have to buckle down, because not every day is the same, but at least now, first thing in the morning, I've signaled to myself what type of day I'm looking at and how disciplined and strict that I'm going to need to be. And so once I've done that, then I get into my normal work routine. And then we get to the second important part of your routine, which is, and admittedly for me, this is the most difficult one. You have to take a lunch break. It's hard. It is really, really hard. And I'm not going to sit and pretend that I've like got this down because quite honestly, even, even in Ramadan, when I don't need to eat for lunch and Zuhur is your lunch break, I wasn't getting my lunch break some days until four or four thirty, just because the days were so packed. And that might be mismanagement of time on my end. It could be a number of other things, but it's a shortcoming, right? And that's something that we've got to be particular about. So I would say make sure your lunch time is blocked out because the other thing is look at home naturally. There are other things going on uh, and your breaks just aren't the same. So, for example, if at 10 o'clock, right, and this thing has been like a learning curve for our family. Let's say at 10 o'clock, I've been working for like 90 minutes straight and now mentally I need a break. So what would I do if I was in the office? Well, if I was in the office, I would get up and I'd go walk around. I might go to the vending machine and get a snack. I might go downstairs or walk outside, we've got walking trails, I might go walk around for 10 minutes and then go back to my desk after clearing my head, right? At home, uh, the moment I leave my office to get a mental break, everyone else in the house sees me like, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you help me with this? Can you look at, and so it's just other tasks come up, whether it's, hey, can you make the kids lunch or diaper needs to be changed or my youngest like, hey, can you help me in the bath? Like it could, you know, can you put Netflix on for me? It could be any number of things, right? But you're not getting a mental break. You're being redirected to some other type of a task. So be aware of those things and make sure that you block out lunch to give yourself a break. And one thing that's, again, very, very important, don't eat lunch at your desk if you can avoid it. Um, again, I know it's very difficult. And actually, when I'm in the office, I am the type of person that I actually do eat lunch at my desk. I rarely eat in the cafeteria. I do bring my food back up to my cubicle and I sit and eat and work. But at home, because you already have so many other things going on, it's important to give yourself that mental break in the middle of the day. And then the last thing on your routine is make sure. And now this this is going to be the one that I would say it's just as important as your morning routine is you have to have a shutdown routine. If anyone's read the book uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, he talks about this in a lot of detail. But it is very, very like important that you do something that mentally triggers for you that I am now officially done with work because otherwise you don't have boundaries. You know, if you're in the office, when you get in your car and drive home, you shut down your computer, you put it in your bag, you get in the car. At that point, you signal that you're done working. 
And then whether you realize it or not, your commute home, whether it's a 10 minute drive or a 45 minute drive, you are mentally decompressing from work. And so you're clearing your head. And so when you get home, you can actually be present at home now because now you've quote unquote finished work, you've cleared your head of work, and now you can focus on something else. But when you work from home, those boundaries tend to get blurred. So you have to find a way to have a shutdown routine that signifies for you, I'm done now with my work. So what that looks like for me is when I reach the end of the day, and that's usually around 4.30 or 5 or 5.30, just depending on the type of day that I'm having, is I'll, I kind of just mimic my morning routine. And so I make sure that my emails are cleared out. I go through my today folder. I make sure that everything in the today folder was taken care of. And then I'll shift the things from the this week folder into my today folder. I'll rearrange all those things. I'll check my calendar for the next day. And then if there's anything outstanding that my mind is thinking about, my mind is thinking like, oh, you need to reply to this email about XYZ issue. I'll literally take a piece of paper. I have like, I have a small memo pad that sits next to my computer at all times. And if I have any of those items, I'll brain dump them on that piece of paper. So I'll see like one, send an email to my manager about this project to follow up on this thing that no one got back to you on. Number three, blah, blah, blah. I'll write them down on a piece of paper. I put them on top of my keyboard and shut my laptop down. I just close and actually uh, visit like, don't put it to sleep. Don't just close the lid, actually shut it down. And so what that does in my mind is I have now turned off work. So I'm done working for the day. I'm no longer thinking about work. I know the question's going to come about phones. We'll get to phones a little bit later. But at that point in time, I've shut down and I've, I've finished working. And it's important that you try to shut down again at about the same time every day. So you establish that routine of these are my work hours. And then now I've concluded my work hours. What are your thoughts on missing lunch to end the day early? If that works better for you, I would say go ahead and do that. Uh, I know for me personally, I need the break in the middle of the day, particularly if it's a heavier day where I've got a lot more like cognitive load, or I'm really having to pay a lot of attention or do a lot more intensive work, then I need the break. Uh, but if it's something that allows you to clock out early, then go for it. Again, adjust, adjust to your, you know, I'm sharing what works with me that might not work for everybody, right? I think what's important is find what works for you, but then stick to it. Uh, don't blur the boundaries and keep negotiating and compromising because that's when you get into trouble. Okay. So that's routines. The only other thing I'll say is the working from home does have advantages. And it does let you build up your other routines too, whether it's exercising or meal planning or even your sleep. Like take advantage of those things while you're working from home uh, to get those things the way that you want. All right, so that's routines. Second thing is physical space. Now, physical space is really important because just as the routine signal to you that you're quote unquote at work or now done with work, your physical space should be reinforcing that within your mind. And so because, alhamdulillah, because I've been working from home for so long, uh, we've always made it a point that there's an office space in the home, even if it meant sacrificing a bedroom. I've always had a home office uh, just because I was working from home full time. And so that was a legitimate uh, need and necessity for us, right? Now, I understand that that's not feasible and that's not possible for everybody. 
when I first started working from home, we were in a small apartment and my work from home space was a small desk crammed next to the bed against the wall. And there was just nowhere else for me to go. And my wife hated it because I'd be up early in the morning on calls talking loudly, like disturbing her, disturbing the baby, just disturbing everybody and being annoying. But hey, that's what I had to do at the time, right? But it is important that you demarcate some type of a space. Now, if you have an office, fantastic. Your office is your workspace. If you don't have an office, signify that workspace somehow. So even if you're having to work from the dining table because you don't have another desk to actually work from, then I would say specify a particular chair at your dining table that is your work space or your work chair. So you're always in that same spot every day. It might be, you know, at the kitchen countertop. It might be, you know, wherever. But make sure it's the same spot, the same chair, the same space somehow, and you only do work in that space. Because just as the routine is important to signify to you that you're at work, you want to signify physically that this is the space from which I work. Now, within that space, you want to make sure that you optimize it the best that you can to work from home. And so... One thing that happens, I'll tell you one of the worst mistakes that I made. One of the worst mistakes that I made was I used to have an L-shaped desk, which I thought was a genius idea because you can set up two computers at an L-shaped desk. And so I had my work computer on one side of the L-shaped desk and I had my personal computer on the other side of the L-shaped desk. And as you can imagine, what I was doing all day is going from one computer to the other, one computer to the other. So I'm constantly working on a work project and then working on a personal project because, hey, I'm working from home. So let me take advantage of the time that I have. Right. I would I highly regret it, would not recommend doing that. I would say for just your own mental sanity, if not your ability to focus and be productive when you're at work, you need to just be at work. And so the way that I have it set up now is when I'm at work, my personal computer is shut down and I can't access it. Right. It's cleared out from my workspace. The other thing I've done in my workspace is even things at home. Let's say, for example, I've got like a couple of bills or things that came in the mail. Normally, they would sit at my desk so that they're reminding me like, hey, I've got to take care of this. But I don't even want that much distraction. So I'll put them in a drawer, put them somewhere else while I'm at work, because at work, I only want to focus on work. The other thing you want to do with your physical space is optimize your space for your actual job. And so if, for example, you work eight hours a day, and then let's say you've got side projects, maybe it's community work, maybe it's a side hustle and you're freelancing, whatever the case may be, but let's say you do your side gig for three hours a day uh, or four hours a day. Well, your primary job is still your day job, right? The, The primary thing is the thing that's paying your rent. And so optimize your, so I would say optimize your workspace for the thing that pays the bills. And so, yeah, you can have your side stuff going on and all of that, and that's all good, but your workspace needs to be optimized for what you do at work. So do the things that you need to be productive. If you need an external keyboard, get yourself an external keyboard. If you need another webcam, get yourself a webcam. If you need a wireless headset or noise canceling headphones, get yourself, you know, get yourself those things. Uh, someone asked your work from home recommendations in terms of chair, desk, keyboard. I don't like to get too caught up in like recommending specific things. Everyone's got different things that work that work for them. Um, 
Personally, if like anyone's interested, I like having a mechanical keyboard, but you know, because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to go to my work space in time and get all of my stuff. So I wasn't able to get my docking station. I wasn't able to get my external monitors. I wasn't able to get any of those things. And so really the only thing I have at home is an external mouse. I can't use my external monitor and all of that without a lot of hassle. So right now I'm just working off my laptop. It's not ideal, but the way that I make up for it is by having everything else uh, shut off. If you are in a situation where you work from home full time or you're expecting to be working from home full time, I would say the one thing that is highly, highly worth the investment is investing in a good office chair. I went through a phase where I kept going through those really trashy office depot chairs that cost like a hundred bucks and like they would break down. And then I finally made the leap and invested in like a really good Herman Miller chair. And they are really expensive. Uh, but I was able to get one for about half the price. And the way that I did that was with looking on Craigslist at office supply and office overstock places. So a lot of times these nice corporations will buy all this expensive office furniture and then they go out of business and they give it to these places that wholesale. And so they have stuff that's either brand new or very lightly used and you can get it like half the price. So um, I was able to get her like literally a brand new Herman Miller chair for half the price if I had ordered it online. Uh, so just keep an eye out for those things. That I would say a good chair is very much worth the investment. But again, point being optimize your space for what you do most and remove all of the other distractions. The last uh, point, so routines, physical space. Last one is cognitive space. And this actually goes to the question that was just posed about tips for folks who work better with other people around. When it comes to cognitive space, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. So when you're working from home, there are going to be more demands on your attention and your time, right? And so if you're in the office, you can you have the luxury of just focusing on work or whatever else you want to focus on. At home, there's going to be constant other things, right? So for example, I've got the kids at home and they've all been homeschooling. So every time I leave the office, my mind can't turn off. I have to check on what everyone else is doing and what else is going on with everybody else, right? And so that's just part of the give and take of working from home. But the main thing I want to talk about with cognitive energy, so actually there's two main things. So one is know what type of work energizes you and what type of work drains you. That is very important. So for example, if you're more introverted, chances are, excuse me, being on a video, video calls all day is very stressful and very draining. And I'm actually that type of a person. If I'm in video calls constantly, like back to back to back, I literally like the moment the call ends, even if I'm hosting it and I need to like send out action items and send out meeting minutes and all that good stuff. The second I hit end meeting, I'm the person that just gets up and walks away from my computer and needs to take like a 20 minute break just to let my mind clear and like re-energize, right? Some people, like one of my very good friends, actually, he works with me. And so we usually chat on our work messengers to talk to each other. But anytime something comes up, he'll just be like, oh, Omar, hop on a video call and he'll just video call me because he's the type of person that gets very energized from talking to people. So he's constant, like when he's in the office, he's walking around talking to everyone all the time. And now that he's stuck at home, he's going crazy. So he's just video calling everyone all the time because that's how he gets his energy. So every time he wants to video call me, I'm like, ah, but for him, it's like, woohoo, right? So it depends what type of personality you have and how you manage that. So be aware of those things. If you look at your calendar and you see like, hey, I've got like five video calls today and that starts stressing you out, 
I start blocking off my calendar so that no one can schedule meetings with me for the rest of the day, right? So I'll just block out working times or I'll block out big chunks of like three or four hours where I know that if people interrupt this time with meetings, I'm not going to get my project work done. So I'll block out project time so no one can schedule meetings at that time. So just depend, again, depending on your work culture and how those things work, I just block out that time so that I know. So I know if, I've, if I'm in three hours of meetings between before 12 p.m., I know that's going to drain me. And by the time two o'clock rolls around, it's going to be really hard for me to work uh, because I just know myself. So I'll schedule my calendar accordingly to give myself some type of a break or some type of a method of recharging. And that also goes back to why I need that lunch break. I really do need that lunch break to let my mind recharge and reset so that I can go back and have a productive afternoon. Now, the other thing with cognitive, and this for me might be the toughest challenge of working from home, is the always on mentality. And it's really with your phone. And so because we're in that environment where your phone is dictating almost everything that you do and you're getting all these notifications, it's very hard to turn work off. So you might shut down your computer and have your clock out routine and all those things. But then at 6 p.m., someone messages you on Slack or Teams or email or whatever, then you feel compelled to respond, right? So a couple of things that I've done. So my previous job, uh, when I was working from home full time, I was actually in an on-call rotation. And so it was a 24-7 on-call and I was on call every two or three weeks. And so that was, I mean, just it was very hellish to say the least, right? Because you're getting woken up at all uh, all times, three, whether it's 6 p.m. or 3 a.m., it didn't really matter, right? You were getting calls. So, you know, we were at, we might be at a restaurant and celebrating someone like my dad's birthday and I get called. I was that guy that would have to leave the restaurant, go to the car, open up my laptop hotspot in and fix something, right? And so it's not fun, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. And so as you can imagine, when I was not on call, the last thing I want to do is think about work. But how do you now prevent? Because when you're on call, you need those notifications coming in. You need to be available. But when you're not on call, you don't want all that stuff bombarding your phone. And so I just out of pocket went and got myself a second cell phone. It seems very like, oh, like this mentality is such a waste of money. What kind of a person needs two phones? Like you're the CEO of the company. This, But you know what? Mentally speaking, it was worth the extra 20 bucks a month. Like it was the most peace of mind that I could have possibly bought myself was getting a second phone that was only for work. And so the week that I was on call, that second phone stayed with me everywhere. And I kept two phones in my pocket at all times. And then the weeks that I wasn't on call, that phone stayed at my desk and I never heard it ring or beep or anything. And my personal phone was my personal phone. And I only had my personal stuff coming on that device. And so if you're in that type of environment where you're constantly getting bombarded, I would say look at the value proposition. It may very well be worth the money of getting a second phone. Now, in my current role, I don't have that same problem, but I do have my work email. I do have Microsoft Teams. I've got Skype. I've got all of those apps on my phone. But I don't want Outlook sending me notifications at 10 p.m. just because someone else decided to work because they were bored, right? I've got other things to do. So what I do on my phone is all of my work apps are turned off. Now, there's certain little things, and this might be getting kind of nitty-gritty, but I know a lot of people deal with this, right? So I prefer using the Outlook version of iOS for Gmail because I like it better than the Gmail native app. 
However, my work requires me to use Outlook for my work email. Now, I know that you can have both of them in the same app, but again, I don't want to see my work emails in the evening. So I make the sacrifice. I use Gmail, the, I use the Gmail app for Gmail and the Outlook app gets pushed to the last page of my phone. So unless I actually want to scroll all the way to the end of my phone and check work, I don't even see the icons. I don't see a red badge. I don't get any push notifications. I don't get any beeps, any buzzes. I get absolutely nothing. Now, in some instances, I do need to be able to access certain things after hours, right? So once a month, I've got maybe some server things that I've got to look at that have to happen after hours. In those cases, I set a reminder on my phone that says, hey, at 10 p.m. Sunday, validate all the server things were done and everything's working correctly, blah, 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 blah. So I'll set an actual reminder that tells me to go check my work email at 10 p.m. I don't let myself make it a habit to constantly go there and look at it uh, because I think it's very important because one thing that one thing that's happened is we've got this always on culture and it really sometimes there's a pressure, right? There is pressure to always be on because other people are on. And what I would say is I would really go back and assess why that is if you're in that type of a situation. Because number one, it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. You can't just always be working and not give attention to anything else. And that's whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you've got a side hustle, it doesn't really matter what else you have going on in life, but you have to have time mentally where you're not working. And if that line is blurred way too much, it's going to be difficult to ever let to ever let yourself get time to do anything else. And that could even just be as simple as you won't be able to concentrate in your prayer. You won't be able to concentrate even in making the offer 10 minutes but for yourself just because you're constantly thinking about work, not letting yourself shut down what's going on. And so your phone needs to be managed accordingly. Now, if there's pressure, right, where everyone else is working and so I feel compelled to respond, ask yourself, is this virtue signaling? Like, do I just want to, you know, because look, people do stuff like that all the time. Let's be realistic. People will auto schedule emails to send at 7 p.m. to make you look like they're working in the evening. Some people, their identity is just so caught up in their work that that's just what they do. Some people just want to show off that this is the type of person I am. I'm taking it seriously. I want to show other people I'm taking it more seriously than they are. And you try to build your reputation in, in those ways. And I would say, if you find yourself in those situations, and, and this is, and I, and I mean this when I say this is not easy advice for me to give because this is me giving advice from mistakes that I've made over like for over five years, like constantly making these same mistakes. It might be a sign that you're in a toxic environment and you need to leave and you need to find another job or another company where the, where the culture is healthier and that you are able to maintain a better work-life balance. And those things aren't just buzzwords. You know, in my previous role, I was in a typical IT role. The role that I'm in now, I actually work in HR. So I have an IT role, but I don't actually sit in an IT team. I'm the only IT person within an HR team. And for me, this has been really eye-opening because now that I'm on the HR side, I see the challenges that they're struggling with and things that they're dealing with. And so when you're in an IT team, you know, I remember I interviewed for one job for an IT role at a hospital. And when I was interviewing, I was asking them, I was like, look, what what's your expectations around things like working from home or after hours or things like that? 
And the guy told me, he goes, well, you're not allowed to work from home, but you're expected to work from home. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? He goes, well, you have to come into the office every day. And then when you go home, you're expected to like catch up and keep working to keep up with everybody. And, and he, and he goes, and he was just laughing. He's like, you know, I've got, this is a few years ago. I'm going to date myself here because I've got an air card in my laptop. If you all don't know what an air card is, that's what you used before there was a such thing as LTE connectivity. All right. So he had an air card in his laptop and he goes, you know, sometimes I'm at the grocery store walking around Kroger and I'll just whip out my laptop and put it in the shopping cart and work while I'm getting groceries. And I was just like, okay, if, you know, if I ever had any doubts about taking the straw, you just sealed it. There's no way I'm ever working here. Right. And so, but now that I'm on the HR side, one thing that I see is that within an IT team, right, there was pressure to act like that. There was pressure to be on all the time, like everybody else. And so you feel that you've got no choice. Looking at it from the HR perspective, if you're good at what you do, they're actually much more concerned about retaining you than you might think. You know, when I was in a work from home role, we used to hear from management all the time things like, well, you should be thankful that you even have a job because other people in the company are getting laid off. Or you should be thankful that you get to work from home. Don't ruin a good thing when you have it. And they give you these types of things that make you really feel like there's nothing better available. From an HR perspective, they're fighting to keep you. They're worried and they're actually mapping out, looking at their competitors saying, how do we prevent our competitors from stealing our best employees? And so if you're good at what you do and people recognize that you're good at what you do and you're performing well and you're productive and you know, you're delivering on your commitments and all those types of things, you don't have to worry about that other type of reputation management and trying to show that you're working as hard as everybody else and all that other stuff because it really is virtue, virtue signaling to some extent. Right. You're just trying to show, you know, keep appearances with other people and you don't really need to. And again, I emphasize very strongly, if you are in that type of environment, start looking elsewhere because there are better situations and better companies available. And you don't have to be stuck in that type of an environment, even if, you know, yeah, working from home is kind of rare and hard to find and all those types of things. Always be on the lookout for a better situation if you are stuck in that type of a um, work environment. Last last thing I'll mention on cognitive space is because you're working from home, it will be very tempting to take on side projects, whether that's volunteering, whether it's community work, whether it's a side hustle, just because you do have more time. Right. And so that's a huge benefit. I would I would just caution. I would give you this caution, which is number one. And again, it's very difficult to implement. But when you're at work, you need to be at work. Don't compromise with yourself that I'm going to do my non-work stuff during work hours. I mean, number one, just from an Amana perspective, it, it doesn't sit well in the heart to do that. But the other thing is, if you have flexibility, utilize your flexibility. So if you're project-based and you're able to wrap up your workday early, so let's say you're able to be efficient and finish up everything that you have by three o'clock. And now after three o'clock, there's just an expectation that you're available on Messenger if something else pops up. But the things that you had to deliver on, you were done. You, you're wrapped up and you're done. Okay, cool. We'll wrap up and be done. And then now you can work on some other stuff, right? But don't work on your other stuff at 11 a.m. when you still have other deliverables due at work for that day. Always take care of the primary thing, right? Take care of the thing that puts food on the table and pays the rent. Take care of that with Ihsan and fulfill your responsibility. Then do the other stuff if you can. Do the other stuff if you've got the flexibility and you've got the ability, then that's cool. 
you can do that. You can take advantage of that blessing of working from home. But always take care of the primary first. All right, that, that's kind of what I had on presentation. I'm going to scroll back up here through some of the questions. So when you live with family, how do you set boundaries to have your workspace time respected? You do the best that you can. I've got glass doors in my office, so anyone can just walk up and look and see what I'm doing. So if they see that I'm on a call or they hear me on a call, like usually like the older kids or my wife will tell the younger kids like, hey, be quiet, dad's on a call. But you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And it, it happened to me today. I was on a team meeting at work. My wife wasn't feeling well. She was, she was asleep. My four-year-old woke up, came straight into my office, <laughs> came right up to my chair while I'm on a video call. And he goes, Daddy, can you make me breakfast? And then can you buy season five of Bubble Guppies? I really want to watch it. Right? And so I'm kind of like, all right, you got to do what you got to do. Right? And so the thing is, like, my team is pretty understanding where they know, like, everyone's at home. Everyone's kids are at home. It's not an ideal situation. And so... For us, that's normal. We understand that these things are kind of happening, right? And so if you've got that flexibility at work, cool. I still don't just randomly let my kids walk in on a video call, but it happens, right? Uh, they know that if the door is closed to knock or to ask or do those types of things, you, you do the best that you can, knowing that it's not going to be perfect, especially because the kids aren't in school and because of the situation that we're in, it's just not that easy. So you make the best that you can and People at work should be fairly understanding of it. You know, one thing that always strikes me at odd is I feel that people's pets barking in the background is all sometimes more acceptable than having kids come in. But even now, now because all the kids are at home, even that's starting to change a little bit, right? So, you know, take that flexibility, take that, take that when it's there. If, if it's okay, then it's okay. But again, do your best to let people know what signifies that you're at work. So it, they should know that if they see you with your headset on not to come in, or if the door is closed not to come in. Do your best to set boundaries knowing that it's not going to be perfect. All right, another question. In the time of COVID-19, when everyone knows your home, there's an always-on culture outside of work uh, in our personal world. How do we force ourselves to turn off screen time? Screen exhaustion is real right now. Yes, it is. Every And this is kind of the conundrum, right? It's You have more time. Everyone knows you have more time. So now everything else is piling up. All the things that we were neglecting for the last year, all of a sudden now are higher priority. And so we're now our to-do lists are even longer. Like my list of projects to do at home is 10 times longer than it was before the pandemic, right? The list of things I want to do on the side is 10 times longer than it was during the pandemic. And so the pockets of time that you create for yourself really are more difficult to carve out even more now than they were before. So one thing that I've done that I found to be useful is forcing myself to just take a walk uh, around the neighborhood without any screens. So no phone. You know, normally, if I was taking a walk, I might pop on a podcast or listen to something or, you know, even walk around, just kind of respond to messages and, you know, whatever, right? You just take a walk and multitask, so to speak. But now because we're constantly multitasking everything... You have to force yourself to find time without screens. So I would recommend taking a walk during the day uh, without your phone. And so, yes, that means you're not going to track your steps. You're going to, you know, all those whatever little things, fringe benefits of taking a walk with your device. Give it up. Go for a walk without your device. The other thing that I would say that is important is your morning routine. I would recommend that you, when you wake up, give yourself 30 minutes before you allow yourself to check your phone. And I know it's tempting. Trust me. I know it's, 
you know, you a lot of us we just roll out of bed, turn on our we turn we have to get our phone to turn off the alarm, and in turning off our alarm, we check all the other things on our phone that may have popped up overnight, right? As much as you can, give yourself even 30 minutes in the beginning of the day, a 30 minute walk in the middle of the day, and and ideally, if you give yourself 30 minutes at night before you go to bed, I realize cumulatively it's only an hour and a half of being screen free, but I would say the cognitive energy that it frees up is like multiples beyond an hour and a half. It really does a lot to help clear clear your mind and kind of let things settle down in your head. The more that you can do that, the better that it is. You mentioned earlier when you first started working from home, there was an aura proving that you're doing your job even though you're working from home. We have all these all hands which don't apply. It's a check-in with everyone uh, and it's a big disruption. How do you let people know you're productive but not play the optics game? Unfortunately, you have to play the optics game. I don't believe that there is a way around this. And that may be a function of me being in an HR team now, which is, you know, it's having been in an IT role all my life, seeing the optics game now is very, like, it's much different. Uh, The value placed on those things is a lot different. And so, you know, there is that typical, and again, this comes to knowing your personality type. A lot of people have that personality type of leave me alone, let me do my work, I will give it to you when I'm done. Like, stop checking in with me. And you have to understand that not everyone's wired that way. And so the optics game is important. And it, it took me a while to realize this because we would have team meetings and we would do round tables and people would share what they were working on. And so I remember one time we had a round table and a coworker would like went on for like three minutes or four minutes. And this is important to know the timing. She went on for three or four minutes talking about some major thing that she'd accomplished on something. And I was just sitting there thinking in my head, all she did was flip a configuration flag in some project management software that took maybe a minute to do. But she's talking about it for like three minutes in a meeting to let everyone know how important that change was and the impact that it was going to have on the team and yada, 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 right? And so that's, and by the way, that's not a diss on her because what she was demonstrating actually was true, right? The the thing that she did did have a positive value on the team. So I'm not I'm not trying to say that she was somehow faking it or misrepresenting the work that she had done. It absolutely was valuable and important, but sometimes you do have to toot your horn, so to speak, because if you don't, other people will not. And if you're at home, there is the idea of out of sight, out of mind. And so rather than looking at those team meetings as a disruption, look at them as this is my way of checking in with everybody else and letting them know that I'm working. And so for me, it's been a mental shift uh, because especially if you come from like, you know, a Muslim background where you downplay your accomplishments or like you kind of, oh, yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't really do anything. And we, we kind of downplay the things that we did. Meanwhile, everyone else is talking everything up. Right. And so that does take a change in framing of this is not me bragging about myself or hyping myself up or drinking my own Kool-Aid, but my team does need to be aware of the value that I bring. And so I can matter of factly speak to here's what I'm working on. Here's the impact that it's going to have. Because if I don't articulate it, no one else will. And so no one else on the team is going to know the work that I'm doing. My manager is not going to know the work that I'm doing. And in the end, I'm going to hurt myself. And so, yes, I might be more productive, so to speak, if I get to skip that meeting and just buckle down and work on the things that I'm working on. But if three months down the road, 
when there's another opening on the team and they're looking at, hey, who should we bring into this role? If the, if someone says, hey, should we bring Umar into that role? And everyone's like, oh, we never hear from him. We never really know what he's kind of doing. He just kind of keeps to himself. That's a big negative on me. And that's going to hurt my chances when those opportunities open up. And so, yeah, I don't like playing the game. I don't like playing politics. But there is a middle ground. There's a middle ground between the overly humble and naive person and the person that's backstabbing and walking over other people and and drinking their own Kool-Aid. There is a middle ground of speaking matter-of-factly to the work that you're doing, the things that you've accomplished and the impact that it has, and sharing that with your team. And I would say confidently share those things so that people are aware of what you're doing. That is an important part of, of your job. I think that's all the questions in the chat. I hope I didn't, I didn't miss any. Are there any other... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, one more that I missed. Any apps that I recommend? No, there's not. I, I told you the app that I use most consistently is paper and pen. I literally write down the important things for the next day, put them on my keyboard and shut my computer down. I think when it comes to productivity, people have a tendency to think that if I just find the right app, I'll be productive. I think we tend to spend a lot. I'm not trying to pick on the person that asked the question, but I'm saying whatever app works for you is the right app. If that's OneNote, if that's Evernote, if it's Asana, if it's Teams, if it's Skype, if it's Notion, if it's whatever, if it's pen and paper, if it's a notebook, uh, if it's an Excel spreadsheet, it doesn't really matter. Whichever app enables you to clarify your tasks and stay on top of them, that's the app that I would recommend. Any other questions? Going once, going twice. Alright, so I go here, everyone. Sound like Allah. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.